beautiful soul. Have you ever wanted to speak to angels? Do you believe angels can support you in your daily life? If this is you, go to my website homepage, theangelmedium.com and sign up for my weekly angel message email. As a gift for signing up, I'm giving you access to free resources, including 31 healing meditations that, if you do daily, are going to help you hear your angels and your own intuition more clearly. Start using these today and you'll see changes in 31 days. Now, take a deep breath. Feel the presence of your angels as they fill you with love, joy, peace, bliss, and ease. And remember, your angels say the messages that resonate with you in today's episode are meant just for you. Friends, you're in for a real treat today. We have author Stephen Taylor on the show. And friends, he is someone who I have followed for as long as he's been writing. I have read all of his books. I'm coming on with this special intro because I wanted you to know that when we were recording this episode, we were uh, half a world apart on Zoom. And unfortunately, it was one of those days where there are moments where you're going to hear the audio glitch a little bit. I still think you can make out everything that he's trying to say. It doesn't happen all the time, but it is spotty here and there. And normally I would um, ask a person to re-record. However, uh, Stephen Taylor is someone who does not have a ton of time to re-record, but he has spent um, a lot of time with Eckhart Tolle. He has researched so much. He is a very beautiful mind when it comes to the world of spirituality. And I really felt that the audio was good enough to air for you here, where you got a lot of value out of what we talk about in the episode today. Um, So I apologize for the audio. Every other one, um, you know, I would have pulled, but I really feel that this is a very special episode that you're going to get a lot from. And I'm really excited for you to hear all that he has to say today. So thank you so, so much for being um, patient with us and understanding of this audio situation in this one single episode. Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome back to the Angels and Awakening podcast. I'm your host and author, Julie Jancis. And friends, if you're listening, you are in for a special treat today. We have Stephen Taylor on the podcast. Now, if you've been in the spiritual community and you're watching YouTube right now, I'm holding up his different books. I have all of them. I have read them all. He has amazing, amazing books out there. The Leap, Waking from Sleep, Out of the Darkness. And really, Stephen tells a lot of awakening stories, just like we tell angel stories here on the show. I'd say that he's probably the leading expert within the world on awakening and cases of awakening. Stephen, welcome to the show. Hi, Judy. Great to be with you. Yeah. And where are you in the world? I am in Manchester in England. That's amazing. Thank you so much for your time and being here today. You're welcome. Great to be here. Yeah. So you've been studying spiritual awakening, how others awaken. Um, You've gotten to spend time at depth and length um, with Eckhart Tolle, talking to him as well. I wanted to talk about your definition of spiritual awakening. I think some people question like, did I really awaken? Is there more to this process? Let's start with what is spiritual awakening to you? It's an expansion of our normal awareness. Um, it's it's a, an, an intensification of our perceptions of things. You know, the, the, in spiritual awakening, the world becomes a bigger place, a more real place, a deeper place. And we feel a, a sense of connection to, to everything, to, to our surroundings, to our own deeper selves, to other people. So, yeah, I think a lot, a lot of people assume that our normal awareness is reality. But in awakening experiences, a wider awareness that we realize that our normal awareness is quite limited. It's, it's actually a kind of sleep. 
Yeah. So this awareness, I first like um, came into the awareness that I am not my thoughts because my dad passed away. He was on his fourth wife at the time, third wife at the time, and she didn't call to let us know. Um, So the day that he passed, August 5th, I started hearing every single time I brush my daughter's hair, she needs a hairbrush like I used. She needs a hairbrush like I used. Well, fast forward a month when I found out that he passed, I immediately had this vision out of my third eye of him combing my hair with his hairbrush that looks completely different from any other hairbrush I ever used. And he's right, my kiddo has his hair. So it was the first time that I realized that my thoughts were not myself. But then the deeper that I've gone, there's also a vibrational frequency shift that I went through with my own awakening where I wasn't as much, I think, attached to the stressors and the anxieties of life Mm. that I just felt this complete peace knowing that whatever happened, I was guided, everything was going to be okay, and that the other side was there in support of me. When we awaken, is it both a thought consciousness and a vibrational frequency shift? Is it one or the other? It's both. It's definitely connected to becoming free of the thought mind. Because most people are, are so sort of bound up in the thought mind that they think they are their thoughts. But but when you undergo spiritual awakening, there's suddenly a space between you and your thought. And you think, wow, you don't think you feel wow. You know, all of these thoughts that stream by, I don't have to let them determine my mood or my state of being. You know, I don't have to listen to these thoughts. And you realize that a lot of your thoughts are actually unnecessary and actually deceptive. You know, they they deceive you into worrying about things that are not that important. They deceive you into worrying worrying about things that may not happen. You know, they, they, they deceive you into worrying about the past, which can't be changed. So it's all of this comes through the thought mind. Yeah. So... When you realize that you are not your thought mind, you become free from a lot of this negativity and you realize that there is a there is a deeper well-being inside you, which you know gaze goes way beyond the thought mind, right into the, the deepest part of your being. And you know, the deepest part of your being has a natural quality of well-being that you can touch into in any moment when your mind is quiet. So that's what you realize in awakening. And once you realize that, you know, your whole being changes. There is a vibrational shift. You you become a deeper person. You become a quieter person. You become a calmer person, you know, because you have access to these deeper levels beyond and beneath the thought mind. Yeah. In your new book, Extraordinary Awakenings, you talk about how people can awaken through different trials, the death of someone you love, um, going through a, a difficult challenge in life. Some people can get to awakening not through a trial, but through meditation. You, you say that that's a bit more of like a slower awakening process. Talk to us a little bit about all the different types of ways that people can come into a spiritual awakening. There are three ways. Firstly, some people are naturally awakened. They don't need to do anything. They just are naturally awakened from from birth onwards, and they never lose their their natural wakefulness. Maybe that comes from previous lives, maybe some kind of spiritual, spiritual development that they have undergone in previous lifetimes. Um, so th- those are the really lucky people, you know, <laughs> they, yeah. they don't need to do anything. And that those people often become creative artists, poets, painters. They sort of express their, their natural wakefulness through creativity, through art. Sometimes they become social activists, you know, working for the good of the human race. Um, you know, to that's, that comes from their sense of connection and compassion to other living beings and their a desire to alleviate suffering. But secondly, people can become awakened through spiritual paths and practices, which is probably the most common way in in which it occurs, because there are so many millions of people around the world following spiritual paths and practices, you know, like um, Buddhism, Taoism, the Kabbalah, Sufism, all different practices like meditation, yoga, and so on. So if you follow those paths and practices, you'll definitely 
undergo some degree of spiritual awakening, even if it takes years. And finally, people can undergo awakening in the way that you suggested through intense psychological turmoil, you know, whether it's bereavement, maybe, you know, the experience you went, you underwent was connected to the bereavement you, you, you experienced. Also things like, you know, addiction, a long period of addiction, a long period of depression, a diagnosis of cancer, sometimes time in prison, even, even combat, like you know, military combat can induce a sudden spiritual awakening. Any intense stress or turmoil or trauma can suddenly dissolve the, the ego and bring out a new self, you know, a kind of a dormant or latent higher self, which was always there, but it was just kind of waiting for the opportunity to arise. So when the ego dissolves, suddenly this spiritual self comes into being, you know, it, it unravels and becomes a person's new self. I love it. So are there levels to spiritual awakening that you see? Definitely, yeah. I think some people have some people have this idea that, you know, there's a there's a, a kind of a strong boundary, a rigid boundary be, between normal awareness and becoming enlightened. But actually there are these of spiritual wakefulness. Um, you know, I, I actually think that a lot of people are spiritually awakened to a, you know, to a certain degree at a, at a kind of lower intensity. You know, people who spend their lives helping others because they feel a sense of empathy and connection. People who, you know, have a strong sense of connection to nature. People who find the world around them beautiful and fascinating. I think, I think people like that are, you know, spiritually awakened to some degree because that's, you know, that's where their, you know, their altruism and their sense of appreciation comes from. And then, you know, there are maybe not so many people are spiritually awakened at a very intense degree, but there, there are definitely some of those people around too. I think, you know, I think we tend to underestimate the number of spiritually awakened people who are around us. You know, I, I've always thought that it's more common than most people believe. That's probably because a lot of people who are spiritually awakened don't know anything about spirituality because <laughs> yeah. they you know they don't know anything about Buddhism or meditation or whatever. They just are naturally awakened or they they awaken through psychological turmoil. But you know, they don't have a background in spiritual practices or paths or traditions. So they don't really understand what's happened to them, but they are nevertheless spiritually awakened. I love it. Are we ever done awakening? Good question. I don't <laughs> think so. I think it goes on forever. I don't think there's a there's an end point. You know, you don't get to the point where, hey, now I'm finished. <laughs> now I can relax and you know, I can relax and enjoy my enlightenment yeah. and take it easy. <laughs> no. There's always an element no. of learning and growth, right? Yeah. I was friendly with a man who was definitely highly spiritually awakened. He was a spiritual teacher who lived here in Manchester. He was very low key. Nobody, very few people knew about him. He just had a, you know, a, a few followers who went to his meetings, but he didn't publicize himself. And, you know, it, it, not many people know about him, but, but he used to say that when he, he, he died six a few years ago, but um, even at the age of 90, he would say, you know, I've, I've been, spiritually awakened for 60 years now but i'm still learning new things you know there's still so much more to 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 learn this every day something new is revealed and it it just goes on forever so i think that's that's the way it is you know it's a journey of endless endless expansion yeah so sorry i think that there's a delay in like the oh. um so if i if i cut you off i really don't mean to okay <laughs> um, no, but I love that awakening or that answer that you gave because it really helps to clarify for other people and give validation to them that we're all on the right track. Even if we have awakened, we're still continuing to learn. It's okay. It's normal. Yeah. And, and it's sometimes, um, it's sometimes challenging. You yeah. know, I think one, one, one myth about spiritual awakening is that it's uh, an easy process and it, it leads to a state of permanent bliss. And that, that may be true in some cases, but I think in most cases, it's quite, it can be quite challenging, especially when it, you know, because 
it's a bit like an earthquake spiritual awake spiritual awakening can be like an earthquake it can be quite explosive it it disrupts all the normal psychological processes it can even disrupt your normal physiological processes and yeah. cause some physical issues um yeah. and it can cause you know you, you you have to relearn things you have to relearn how to function in normal society again um, in some cases anyway so it can be quite challenging friend do you ever wonder if you're in the right career do you find yourself thinking there's got to be more to life than this do you want to know why god universe source called your soul here now find out who you really are i'm teaching a brand new course with all new content to help you find your purpose in 30 days class begins october 1st or watch the replay at any time find the clarity direction fulfillment you've been searching for the class is called find your purpose in 30 days for early bird pricing use the coupon code early bird purpose sign up today at theangelmedium.com also the winner of this month's free reading with me is in the show notes leave a five-star positive review of my podcast or book and you could be next month's winner yeah well it's interesting it's kind of a bit like thomas war's book dark night of the soul right like we can go through a dark night of the yeah. soul can you describe or yeah can you describe dark night of the soul and kind of how you can go through kind of the depths of darkness pain shadow work within yourself and really get to the other side of it because it doesn't last for forever no i would say that there are two kinds of dark nights there is a dark night that can precede spiritual awakening the the, the kind of psychological turmoil that we've spoken about that's when you go through a process of loss or you go through trauma and the, the trauma kind of breaks down all of the things that you're attached to you know all the things that you're attached to such as your ambitions your sense of identity um your attachment to possessions or to success or to your achievements your also your attachment to people so all of these things break down and that leads to a sense of a terrible sense of loss and because our ego is largely made up of the things that we're attached to then you know when, when these attachments break down the ego itself breaks down just like um, a house when you take away the bricks at a certain point it just falls down and, and collapses um so you know that that is a kind of dark night where the, the pain that you go through breaks down the ego but as we as we said before breaking down the ego can at least in some people allow a new self to arise but there is sometimes another kind of dark night that that occurs after spiritual awakening and that's when there is a period of confusion a period of disturbance often because people don't really understand what's happened to them and the people around them may say hey what's happened to you you know you sound like you've gone crazy or i mean have you have you been taking psychedelic drugs so <laughs> it creates a sense of confusion so people begin to think you know what what has happened to me maybe i have gone crazy they start to doubt what's happened to mm -hmm. them and then sometimes they become very sensitive as well and the, you know spiritual awakening is a kind of openings so you become the world to other people's experiences you become very empathic and it, it can feel a little bit overwhelming mm -hmm. you know if you're not careful so yeah all of these things that can be that can produce a kind of dark night as well yeah 100 percent all right, I want to ask you a big question. You've gotten to interview all these spiritual teachers. You're just like an incredible spiritual teacher yourself. You've been at this for so long. In your opinion, if you can kind of sum it up, what's the point of life? <laughs> wow. That is a I know. Hit you with the hard one, right? Question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would say that the point of life is spiritual growth. Uh, spiritual evolution i think that the whole of life not just an individual life individual's life but the whole of life on earth from the beginnings of life on earth 
has been about expansion and expansion of consciousness. You know, on one level, you, you think about evolution as a, as a physical process. Things evolve, they, they get more complex, they, they split off into different life forms. But internally, life is about the expansion of consciousness of other of of living beings in a self or sentience. And that applies to us as individuals. I think our lives are about expanding sentience, becoming deeper, wider, you know, expanding into connection with other, other living beings, into connection with the whole of the universe. So it, we're manifesting the whole process of so, And that's, that's why it feels so good to, to grow spiritually or to grow in any sense, because that, that is the purpose of life. Yeah. Well, I love the last couple of chapters of your book, the the newest one that you have, Extraordinary Awakenings. And you talk about how the statistics on consciousness and that people are becoming more conscious and you make the case for that and how consciousness rising within the individual and more people becoming awakened and conscious really shows that it's happening on the collective level more and more. And that is really where we have to go as a species in order to come out of the place that we're in because we were asleep when we created this world that we're in right now. And in order to create a new world, we have to come at it from a conscious, awakened state. Mm. Yeah, I mean, all of the problems that we're facing now uh, were created by our sleep state, you know, by our pathological, aberrational, normal state, or we call it normal anyway, but it's actually quite aberrational and even pathological. You know, for, for example, you know, norm, normal human human awareness is associated with a sense of duality, separation. We, we feel that we're in here, mm -hmm. bodies, our brains, and the world is out there. And that, that sense of duality creates a kind of, you know, it creates a, an exploitative attitude to the world. You know, the world is just out there on the other side, and it's there for us to to use, to abuse, to exploit. All the world's resources or natural phenomena are there for us to to use, to dominate, to exploit. And I think that that's the source of, you know, all of the environmental problems that we're facing. You know, the the you know damage to the environment, the degradation of the environment. That all comes from our sense of duality and separation. So we can't solve environmental problems from that situation. We can only solve it by gaining a sense of connection, you know, by realizing that we are not separate. You know, we are part of the whole, you know, the whole being of the of the earth. We are one with nature. We are nature. So, you know, that, that's just an example to show that, you know, you can't solve problems from the state of mind from the same state of mind which created those problems you have to solve them from a new state of being and that's not just in the way the mo world moves forward in creating this new earth but it's also within our relationships with ourselves, with other people in our work in our everyday um just being at the grocery store and every interaction really bringing in that presence that now, like being in the moment, as Eckhart talks about, I think that I always thought that presence would feel different. But to me, presence feels like an awareness, just being aware that I'm here, being aware of what's happening, tuning into the oneness of all that is. What does presence feel like to you? You've explained it very clearly. Um, it, it's nothing particularly esoteric. It is simply being here now. You know, it's so, it's so easy for human beings to, to slip into what I call elsewhereness, and that means being caught. Usually, means being caught up in our thoughts. So, you know, you could be in the grocery store, but you're not really aware of the people around you or the person who's serving you. You're actually thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow or what happened last night. You could be walking in the countryside. But rather than paying attention to the beauty around you, you're thinking about problems or you're thinking about somebody who insulted you. But being present simply means not paying attention to your thoughts and paying attention to your experience. 
So giving your full awareness to the reality of nature, the nature that's around you, the people who are around, giving your full awareness to the experience of walking in the city or, or having a shower or brushing your teeth, anything, you know, it just simply means being there. Interesting. It's interesting because when I first lost my dad and I went to go work with another spiritual teacher, she taught me this meditation that I call like getting into oneness where I almost feel like my consciousness is almost outside of myself in my auric field. It feels very high vibrational. It feels very expansive. Like my energy goes out in every direction, like infinitely. Mm. So how is that vibrational frequency coming into it? Because that's how I get into a state that I will use to channel from or tune into mm. loved ones on the other side. How is that state different from presence, the now? I think it's similar. You know, I think in presence, we are no longer centered in our minds the, you know, the, the, the kind of epicenter of our being is, is no longer here in the mm -hmm. head. It's, yeah. it's in our senses. It's all over our bodies. It's in every cell of our bodies. Um, and I think when, you, when, you're, when the center of your awareness moves away from the mind, then you're no longer inside your body or mind. You're, you're outside your body as well. Because consciousness is, is not just inside us. It's everywhere around us. You know, in, in all... Certainly, you know, higher intensity spiritual experiences, you can feel that you're connected to everything around you. You can feel that you're, the consciousness of your body or mind is shared with everything around you. It, it, it flows outside you into the space around you and connects with the consciousness of all other beings and things. So I think, you know, in, in the kind of states you're referring to, it's a sort of, it's going outside yourself and, you know, your consciousness spreads into the space around you and it sort of connects with other beings and not just living beings but it connects with nature other entities you know other non-physical entities beyond this physical realm yeah 100 percent. i was wondering if you've studied any like brain or brain scans when people are awakened versus unawakened is something different actually happening within the physical brain it's difficult to say because on the one hand it's very difficult to to get brain scans of um people who are who are having awakening experiences okay you know or or even people who are spiritually awakened you know there are theories about different parts of spiritual experiences but the theories are actually quite, you know, quite tenuous. They're kind of contradictory. Some people say it's this part of the brain. Some people say it's this other part of the brain. So I don't, I don't think that there is necessarily any close connection with brain activity. Okay. You know, it's very difficult to identify the brain activity involved in any state of consciousness, like depression. You know, psychologists or neuroscientists don't really know the parts of the brain which are involved in depression. Or love, you know, if somebody's feeling, you know, in, if somebody's in love, you can't really identify the parts of the brain involved in that. So I don't think, you know, there is a close connection to brain activity. Interesting. Okay, well, that's fascinating. I wondered this, and I'm just like not off of the book, but I'm just wondering your professional opinion on this. What huge spiritual discoveries, breakthroughs in consciousness do you feel like we're on the verge of? Because I've heard you say before that you're very into quantum physics and kind of keeping up with what's going on. Just wonder if you have any insight into that. Well, one area that I've become interested in recently is the evidence for, for some form of life after death. So I think there is a lot for the continuation of consciousness beyond the physical body. I think that's that's an area which is going to draw attention because the evidence is, is increasing all the time. There are lots of studies with high-level mediums which have very positive results. You know, there are some studies of after-death communications mm -hmm. and also some very interesting, interesting studies of reincarnation based on children who can remember experiences from their previous lives so all of them go up into a you know um 
a very strong case for some form of life after death. Yeah. Also, another area that's becoming very, uh, um, also the, the influence of the mind over the body. There's more and more evidence that the mind can have an incredibly powerful effect on the body. You know, that if you, if you believe that you are healed, or if you believe that you are, uh, or, or, you know, if you believe that you are going to be ill, you can actually create illness. You can create illness through, through, through mental intentions. You can also heal yourself through mental intentions. So I think that's going to become more and more interesting too. Who do you think is leading the way on that research? Or who do you think uh, is fascinating right now that that's kind of doing that work? In terms of the, um, the first topic I mentioned, life after death, there's, um, there's a group of researchers based at the University of Virginia uh-huh. um, who are doing some fantastic research on reincarnation and after-death communications and near-death experiences. So they're doing fantastic work. And also here in England, um, there are a team of researchers at the University of Northampton who are investigating psychic phenomena huh. like telepathy and precognition. So they're doing some fantastic work as well. That's awesome. I just heard recently, I think over the summer 2022, that there's a billionaire, I think, in the United States who is um, putting his money behind trying to figure out what happens after we pass away and starting an entire foundation. Uh, I forget his name, though. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. Robert Bigelow. I met him. Yes. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He sounds because, like um, an interesting fella. Yeah, yeah. Well, he um, he underwent a couple of bereavements. In the you know his his son died, and he, then his wife died, and I think he he had a strong sense that they were still present after de- after death. So he began to investigate the possibility of life after death, and he decided to use some of his 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 wealth to fund research in the area. Fascinating. I love it. Um, this yeah. is such a great conversation. I'm getting to ask you all my favorite questions. Okay, so let's see. I wanted to ask you about this because there is like this spiritual phenomenon of seeing signs or having different spiritual experiences. I had a spiritual experience once where this was long before my dad passed. I went on a trip to seattle met a amazing black woman who i spent the day with just randomly and out of nowhere she began speaking in tongues to me and it was almost as if this fog descended around us and i heard uh, my first thing that happened was a thought went through my head she's no longer speaking english and then there was a second thought i don't think that this is a language here on earth and then i heard the voice clearly as if it was the holy spirit divine that just kind of spoke to me and told me over and over that i was going to be okay it was a very hard point after college my family had moved away i was all alone in my state didn't really have any support or friends around me and just spoke to me and i just cried because i heard what was being said i look back at the experience of my dad passing away and almost feel like maybe it was easier for me to accept because I had had other spiritual experiences that happened and occurred and it was all like it couldn't be a coincidence. There's so many things coming at you that it couldn't just be, I don't know, it couldn't be anything else except for the divine coming through. You know what Mm. I mean? Do other spiritual experiences happen often before an awakening? As I mentioned before, spiritual awakening is also an opening. So uh, our normal limited awareness just opens wide, opens wide. So suddenly we, you know, we could, we, you know, a lot more information, a lot more phenomena, a lot more experiences flow into us. And as, as I mentioned before, that can sometimes feel a bit overwhelming, but it does mean that we, we, we receive so much more, you know, so much, 
seemingly strange and mysterious information, so many strange phenomena enter into us. And I guess that that could happen to you. It involves creativity. A lot of people become very creative after a spiritual awakening because a lot of creative energy flows into them. You know, they, they become, you know, they become channels of so much more information and so much more inspiration, so much, so many more insights. So it's, it's very exhilarating. And it just, it just exemplifies that, you know, normal human awareness is quite limited. And sometimes it, it needs some kind of shock, like a, like a bereavement to open us up again and to open up, open up, you know, to open our psyche to the, to the universe and to allow all of this new experience and new information to flow through us. And it, it makes you quite humble as well, because when you realize that there's so much more to the universe than we normally realize, and it makes you kind of, you know, realize how, how magical and how mysterious the world is or the universe is. So it's, it's great. It, it kind of makes you exhilarated and, and humble at the same time. That is a great point. And I love that about your books because I've gotten that a lot from reading them where you start to realize with all of the different parts of life that there are, the different trees and molecules in the air and animals and just nature. And here we are as human beings and you do have this amazing reverence for what it is to be human here now. And it kind of takes away that whole humbug of all the challenges of life. Like, no, we get to be here in these beautiful bodies and live as conscious beings. And there's so much purpose to it. Thank you for bringing that through. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely brings a sense of gratitude. You know, you, you don't take anything for granted. You know, life becomes a miracle uh, and it becomes like a gift. You know, and I think, you know, it's, unfortunately, human beings do tend to take life for granted. And sometimes it takes a shock, sometimes it's, uh, an illness or, or a bereavement, just to make you realize that life is temporary and fragile and, and precious. And everything around you, all the people around you are temporary as well. They're, they're precious beings who will only, be, will only share your world for a certain amount of time. So like, you realize that life is just a process. It's quite a fragile process. So you treat it with, with reverence and you, you see the world in, in a different way, you know, and you, you no longer take anything for granted. Mm -hmm. Before I started reading one of your books, it's almost like spirit walks you through lessons at the same time where the same thing keeps showing up over and over again. And uh, I had heard to practice detachment to say out loud, um, you know, my husband doesn't belong to me. My daughter doesn't belong to me. My friend doesn't, you know, like just to kind of release that attachment within yourself. My work doesn't belong to me. And then I read in your book about it, uh, kind of attachment and disattachment too. How do you practice detaching? Because the ego can tend to creep back in sometimes. Do you mm. have to continue to practice detaching? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the ego thrives on, on attachment. You know, it's kind of magnetic. It, it kind of attracts attachments towards it. And once it's got an attachment, you know, it feels stronger. And it, that's how it builds itself up through, through attaching yourself to things. But I've always found that you know, meditation is a great way of centering yourself. And once you, once I meditate and I touch into the, the fundamental well-being and wholeness inside me, you know, it, it centers me. And I realize that I don't need to depend on anything external for well-being because well-being is inside me. It's only when I, I lose that sense of inner well-being that I, I sort of find myself getting attached to things. So as long as I, I keep myself centered and grounded in that inner space, that inner space of well-being and wholeness, then I don't feel the urge to attach myself to anything. I think I think you enjoy things more when you're not attached to them. You know, you can enjoy people's company, you can enjoy people's presence more when you're not attached to them. Yeah. You know, when you just appreciate them as as uh, as beings in their own right without any attachment. And even, you know, even even possessions, you know, there's nothing wrong with 
you know, enjoying beautiful objects or having beautiful objects, but as long as you're not attached to them, but you can, you can enjoy them more if you don't feel any sense of ownership towards them. Mm-hmm. Ownership is basically attachment. Yeah. It's interesting because in your newest book, you talk about contemplating morality and that that contemplation of morality. Um, I think that you even said that you use a certain practice of saying, okay, if I was not going to be alive in 365 days, you are, most likely you are, um, but if I was not going to be alive within 365 days, what does that look like? What does that feel like? And I don't think that most of us get that close to death or thinking about death throughout our life, but that just in and of itself can bring us more so into a spiritual awakening. How so? That's true. I mean, a lot of people who have a diagnosis of cancer undergo spiritual awakening because death becomes real to them. You know, in my book, I, I tell the story of a woman called Irene who was diagnosed with cancer and told that she probably only only had six months to live. And as soon as she found out, she shifted into into a state of wakefulness. The was incredibly beautiful. She felt incredibly grateful to be alive in that moment. She could feel this kind of spiritual energy glowing around her, filling everything around her. And it never left her. Her cancer went into remission, uh, but she retained that spiritual awareness. And it is, it comes from becoming aware of the reality of death. Once you become aware of the the reality of death, it puts you into a state of detachment because you you realize that everything around you, everything in your life is temporary and, and fragile. And, you know, possessions become meaningless. Success becomes meaningless. The future becomes meaningless. So, you, you know, you, you detach yourself from everything and you touch into, you know, the, the essence of your being and you, f- you feel a sense of inner wholeness and harmony within the essence of your being. And at the same time, you become a lot more present because you realize that the future doesn't exist. You only have the present and everything around you looks more beautiful, more real, and you feel a sense of connection and that's just simply through becoming aware of the reality of death so so i I found i found that um you know you don't have to be diagnosed with cancer to to attain those effects you can do it simply by contemplating your own mortality you know that's why i recommend visiting cemeteries you know and sitting down in a cemetery uh, or looking around at the different gravestones reading the inscriptions reading about the people who've died you know, as well as being, I mean, cemeteries are very peaceful and beautiful places, but at the same time, they bring you a powerful awareness of death, which makes you aware of the reality of death and makes you aware of the, the preciousness and the beauty. So, yeah, contemplating mortality is, is very, very uh, um, useful. Yeah. And I think where you're trying to take people to is not to think about actually what happens when you die or death itself, but really to think about, I think thinking about death and contemplating death, what you're talking about brings you back to your own life in the present moment. And what it kind of brings you to what your purpose really is here and how you could be living life to the fullest. Yeah. It's partly about getting rid of all the trivial stuff, you know, all, yeah. all the, the trivial worries about you know, why doesn't he like me? Why am I not more successful? You know, what clothes should I wear? You know, things like that. You know, it, once you get rid of that trivial stuff, then you can feel what's really important. You can feel what your real purpose is. So once you become aware of, of uh, you know, the reality of death, which also means being aware of the reality of life, you know, you become aware of what's really, you become aware of your own purpose. So it's like kind of, you know, you, you sort of prune away or just a strip away all of that trivial stuff so that you can tune into what's really important inside you. That's amazing. Um, okay. I have to ask you about this because when I read this in your book, it, it was interesting to me. I think it would be interesting to a lot of folks here. I just didn't know like what the stats uh, are behind it. 
You say like born again, religious experiences don't tend to hold, but spiritual awakening experiences do hold. Why is that? That's because most born again religious experiences are conceptual. They're about beliefs. They're about taking on certain beliefs. Yeah. And you know, you may, you may experience a change in the way that you see the world, a change in the way that you've, but essentially you're taking on a belief system and you're seeing the world through that belief system. So it's not really a deep rooted change. It's only it's kind of rooted at the, the, the level of the mind, at the level of thing. But spiritual awakening, in a sense, I describe it, is not conceptual. You know, it's not about, if anything, it's about going beyond beliefs. It's about go, going beyond the mind. It's a change at the, at the deepest levels of your being. It's a change in the way that you experience things, not the way that you think about things. So in, in that sense, it's much more deep-rooted and therefore it, you know, it tends to be enduring. In almost all cases, you know, once, once a person undergoes spiritual awakening, particularly after intense turmoil, being in that state for the rest of their lives, it, it's permanent. Yeah. Well, and it also seems to me that when you're going through a religious born again experience, you're still seeing duality, right? Like God is outside of you, separate from you. But going through a spiritual awakening experience, you recognize like that you are the observer of your thoughts, that there is a higher vibrational frequency that you can hold all the time and that that is God's energy and you can tune into the divine in every mm. moment. You kind of become and merge one with it instead of still holding that dual view. Definitely, yeah. I mean, born again religion or fundamentalist religion is all about duality, you know. It's about yeah. duality between the body and the and the spirit duality between truth and fad, you know. But as you say, spirituality is the opposite of that. It's about transcending duality. It's about finding, feeling connection with everything and feeling a sense of union with everything. Yeah. So one more question, and this is fascinating. You wrote about this in the new book. Is spiritual awakening the same as Buddhist enlightenment? You say they have um, like common core in their concepts but how can we look at this are they the same are they different they are essentially the same i mean every spiritual tradition has some concept of what you could call enlightenment you know the, the uh, in buddhism it's called enlightenment in hinduism it may be called samadhi or moksha and in christian and christian it's called deification or theosis um, and so on. They'll refer to a kind of a higher state of being in which you become free of, of fear and suffering and you, you, you become free of separation and duality. You feel a sense of connection or oneness and so on. So, so I, think, I think they're the same thing in slightly different ways. You know, it's like um, if, you have a, if you have certain people who are sitting on, on a hillside overlooking a landscape, they all have a slightly different view of the landscape and they describe it in slightly different ways, but it's the same landscape. You know, I think that's what spiritual awakening is. Spiritual traditions all describe it in slightly different ways, but the landscape itself is the same. And I think that when people undergo spiritual awakening in psychological turmoil, the kind of people I talk about in my book, people who don't really know anything about spiritual traditions, they're experiencing the landscape in a kind of more, in a more kind of uh, naked or or pure way, because they don't they don't have any concepts or ideas about spirituality. They're just in the landscape, and um, so yeah, it, it is the same thing. In fact, there's one guy I, I interviewed. Uh, he was he went through spiritual awakening after a long period of depression. He went through divorce and and intense stress at work, and uh, he underwent a kind of collapse, which led to an awakening. And he said that when he was trying to make sense of what happened to him, he went to a Buddhist monastery to try and understand his own inner being. And when he told, he went to see the monk and he said, he explained what had happened to him to the monk. And the monks, don't tell anybody else about this. And everybody who's here, all of these monks are trying to reach what you've, you've stumbled on by accident. 
you know so, so i think it is the same, it's basically the same thing yeah it's amazing um your new book is called extraordinary awakenings when trauma leads to transformation Stephen, where can people find you if they want to know more about you get your book they can find me here in manchester england uh if they come to see me or they can find me <laughs> online at um www.stephenmtaylor.com that's Stephen with a v m for mark stephenmtaylor.com perfect we'll put that in the show notes along with the link to the book thank you so much for your time and the blessing of of just being here it's so nice to get to spend this time with you yeah likewise thanks for thanks for allowing me on the show it's great to talk to you you too beautiful soul thank you so much for joining me today my name's julie you know i'm all about connecting you with messages from your angels and loved ones on the other side if you've been listening today and you're super excited and just have to know which angels are around you right now who's connecting with you and what messages they have for you go to theangelmedium.com register for a session you can do a reading with me or a member of my team we're all incredible we all talk to angels daily and we can help you in making sure that your angels are doing the very best they can to support you and guide you to your best life if this sounds like you virtual sessions they're only offered on my website sign up today and if you're the person who's really excited, you're ready to go all in developing all of your unique spiritual gifts, growing your intuition, starting your own healing business, you can sign up for my Angel Reiki School to become a certified angel messenger. That's for the healers among us who feel called to grow their intuition to the max and serve humanity with their gifts. You'll learn Reiki, mediumship, how to deliver angel messages, and how to get clients. That's the Angel Reiki School at theangelmedium.com or DM me on Instagram at Angel Podcast with any questions. Before you go, connect with your angels by placing your hands on your heart. Take a deep breath. Imagine a doorway filled with God's unconditional love is right in front of you. Step into that love and feel it as it fills your body, chakras, and auric field. Now ask your angels, what would you have me know today? And open yourself to the positive, loving messages they have just for you. <laughs> 